You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 125. We were discussing Spider-Man Far From Home and giving our thoughts on the future of Star Wars. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. Dudes, 125 episodes. That just hit me. Man, I mean, we lasted pretty long. I'm surprised no one kicked us off yet. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they kick us off? We're involved We're involved with some of the greatest podcasters on this planet in the Star Wars Commonwealth. That's right. That's right. We got good friends. Yes, we do. Friends in very high podcasting places. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode. We're excited to get to all of our Star Wars, Marvel, and not so much DC news this week. We had a big episode focusing on that last week. What's coming down the pike for the DC Extended Universe? Very exciting things over there. So make sure to go check out episode 124. But we're here this week. We are looking forward to some big things coming from Marvel and Star Wars. It was quite a week again in Star Wars news. There's a lot of turmoil, a lot of rumors, and we're going to address maybe not particularly those rumors, but just touching on them and using that as a launch pad to discuss what we want to see out of this universe going forward. I think there's big things for Star Wars, and as fans of that, we're going to have to really start to narrow down our focus because there's a ton of content coming at us, even with these rumors of some films maybe or maybe not being put on hold. And Marvel also hammered us this week with a few insights towards Phase 4, Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man 2, the Tom Holland edition, looks to be getting off the ground in the not-too-distant future. So Marvel, as they do, they never keep you too far away from their properties, even though they have a massive gap, one of their biggest gaps, in between films. we got to wait till March before we get our next Marvel film after next week's Ant-Man and the Wasp. So there's big things for Marvel here, big things for Star Wars, but like we always do at the top of this show, guys, i got to hear, what's your weekend nerd being like? Yeah, man, you know, picked up some movies, as I always do. Also, some, you know, getting on the comics train, I've been reading some Batman, some back issues, trying to catch up. So I'm on issue like 42 right now. You know, they're slowly building towards that wedding between Batman and Catwoman. Is that Booster Gold in this one yet? Uh, yet? Not yet, no. Okay. He's been making a lot of appearances. He was in uh, Action Comics not that long ago. Nice. Yeah. Is, is this issue, issue 42 since the relaunch or whatever it was? Yeah, 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 since Rebirth. They only got 52 issues out in what the how many years of the new 52, and they're at issue 42 already? Well, it's been, I think, like two years. And they're popping them twice a month. Twice now. a month? Twice a month. Yeah. yeah. Okay, they're yeah. still doing that. Yeah, it's wow. pretty impressive. With the main titles, like Batman, yeah. Detective, Action, yeah. Superman. Aquaman's monthly now, but I think yeah. Wonder Woman's twice a month as well. Are they Justice still do the origin stories and the like the flip? Uh, I don't know. I'm only on like issue like 16. I'm oh. kind of like slowly getting through there. <laughs> Are they two ninety nine cover price? Right now, yeah, but I think they're going to raise them again. Holy, that's all. That's quite a bit. Like Marvel yeah. does have the three ninety nine cover price, but mm-hmm. usually once a month or exactly. so. Yeah, it really forced me to like cut the peripheral characters. Like I used to get a Flash or a Green Lantern, but I was like, you know, I had to go with Aquaman and the main core Justice League, and I had to cut Suicide Squad. So you know, I do buy the same amount of books, but it's just the same characters as opposed to like 
in the past where I'd get like a Suicide Squad, a Green Lantern, a Flash. Had to those didn't make the cut. Yeah, I guess they're doubling down on their big characters, but kind of the knock-on effect from that is you're having to get rid of some of the characters that maybe were selling, you know, ten thousand issues a month or whatever, and they're characters that maybe they're trying to push for the forefront. Mm-hmm. but aren't going to get that traction because everyone's had to shift their funds to double Batman, double Superman, double Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting that marketing idea because DC is really kind of taking a plunge into do something a little different recently mm-hmm. with this two a month thing, this kind of relaunch that they're doing, the focus on quality over continuity, but they're taking a big step into something different, right? Yeah. Troy, you were talking about this before. Yeah. So DC's partnered up with Walmart and I believe coming down the pipeline as well as EB Games. But currently what they're going to be doing, I think next week starting actually, is they're teaming up with Walmart so you can now buy DC exclusive comics in your local Walmarts. But the cool thing is here is like it's going to be about 100 pages and you get about a bunch of different um, original stories that were not original stories, stories that we've gotten before. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for right now? <laughs> Re- reprints. Reprints, so, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get about reprints in there, but we're going to get like one exclusive original story as well. Cool. The really cool thing I'm excited about with this uh, whole switch up board they're doing is Tom King will be doing Superman. Oh, okay. And Bendis will be doing Batman. That's going to be a kind nice. of cool switch up because in the comics right now, they're uh, in reverse. Yeah. So that's kind of cool as well but i think it's a really good you know way to get like the new audience yes mm-hmm. you know stepping into that right direction of comics you know like when you're doing groceries now you can pick up you know a comic book for your kid you know which is kind of cool and then it's just gonna get the kids eventually into the comic book shops because that's yeah. where everybody needs to be yeah, yeah exactly and then sometimes the barrier for entry for comic book shops i think i even remember the first couple times i went in i you feel a little overwhelmed oh yeah you feel like you're going in a place that there's all these people that know what they're talking about they know where they're going I remember wandering up, and I've told this story before, and not knowing the new comic book wall. Yeah, yeah. me too. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure it was AVX I was chasing. I was like, I'm pretty sure this came out this week. Could not find it. I asked the guy, and he's like, it's over on that giant wall there. <laughs> and so there's a little bit of that apprehension, I think, to yeah. go into a comic book store. Just like it is going into any specialized store. You yep. feel like you have to be up here. Mm-hmm. And now with Walmart providing that that almost entry point into comic books, you get a feel for things. Maybe you find a podcast like the nerd room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plug, and plug. Then, yeah, exactly. And then you get your way into a comic book shop. Cause like you said, that's the ultimate goal for sure of all this. And it's just providing an entry point. It's just that convenience too, right? You don't have to worry about where do I start? You know yeah. what to do? It's just boom. You give it to your kid. Cool. There you go. Have yeah. fun. Or not just kids. Anybody can really get oh, yeah. that entry point, right? Yeah. 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 And this isn't the first time they partnered with Walmart. We're man of steel. Do you guys remember you could buy like advanced tickets at Walmart? I don't remember that. And I think it was like the Thursday or the Wednesday show and they sold like $10 million worth of tickets. Yeah. So, you know, it's a pretty, uh, pretty good place. Walmart's everywhere. Everyone goes to Walmart. I mean, you know, it's, it's a good place and it's a good uh, distribution channel. So hopefully this takes off and see more, uh, more places. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I might, might pick this one up because it's something different and with a lot of reprints reissues yeah i might be able to find my way into some stories yeah it's cool because you get a bit of like you know the new 52 and then pre-crisis you know all that kind of stuff i'm sure even a little bit of rebirth did they announce a price uh, I think it's, well, American 4.99. Wow. But it's 100 pages, right? 4.99 for 100 pages? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's a good 4.99 for this new Star I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. 
How about you, my man? How's, how's this week in comics? Uh, collecting's been good. I, I went back to my, you know, Alpha Comics, which is great. I picked up a quite a bit of comics there. Uh, I finished off 800 and 801 of Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, wow. So, salute to Dan Slott, man. He held it down for about 10 years. The longest writer ever to write Spider-Man. Wow. He did some pretty cool things. You know, he gave us, like, a cool career switch up for Spider-Man, which was my favorite when he worked for Horizon Labs. Not when he's, like, the billionaire Tony Stark. That was okay. <laughs> but he's done a lot of cool things. Superior Spider-Man was awfully obviously yeah. a big hit uh spider island big time all sorts of good things so uh, it's gonna be missed but i'm excited to see his run on uh, fantastic four oh, with yeah. uh sarah pacelli yes yeah, sarah pacelli she's fantastic she did similar art or she did art with uh bendis on the miles morales run for a little bit of time there nice can't wait to see that and he's also currently doing iron man which yes. i believe you picked up here yes i did what did you think yeah. of that book this is the new iron man yeah. toy stark iron man this is coming off of all the changes and the <laughs> kind of, I'm not going to use the word rebirth, but essentially rebirth yeah. for Marvel. Now this is a, a solo run. We're seeing a lot of these pumping out. Cap's getting his on appropriately July 4th, so okay. in a couple of weeks. Thor's comes out in July as well. So a lot of these solo titles focus around the legacy characters, as we were promised. But this one came out last week, I believe. Self-made machine, self-made man. It's called Part One. Yeah. What did you think of this book? This new entry for Tony Stark. Uh, you know what? I really liked the last Invincible Iron Man run with yeah. Uh, Bendis yeah. on the helm. I thought that was fantastic what they did. And so it has high expectations for this thing to live up to. And I wasn't feeling it as much, especially because Dan Slott gave us his own Iron Man, which is when he did Spider-Man, basically was a billionaire. And that was kind of cool. So I'm thinking, okay, if he actually has a real Iron Man to run uh, write with, it's going to be fantastic. The art was cool, but the story for me was a little dry. Um, I don't really like this approach towards the end or were you kind of spoiling yeah we'll comic? say spoilers for the comic book so if you if you guys haven't read it or want to read it maybe jump ahead two three minutes yeah they kind of have fun and kind of you know wink at the audience with the whole reveal of the end of iron man one when you know tony stark's like okay i'm iron man right yeah. oh, okay. but here they kind of do the thing where it's like i'm not iron man we're all iron man he has the team behind yeah. him and we're all iron man and my biggest beef with that is basically we we're kind of promised we're gonna get the core legacy characters iron man's back tony stark uh, Thor is back, the original Thor, and then Captain America. But we're it seems like we're not really going to just get Iron Man, Tony Stark. We're going to get like a team of Iron Men, and I just want give me classic Tony. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, and and then Fing Fang Foom shows up. That's kind of neat. I didn't really care for his other armors that he used to take on Fing Fang Foom. The transformer looking one. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of whatever. But I really did like the art. I do like the flashback we get at the beginning when he yeah. meets uh, his new partner that he picks yeah. up. Thought there was some cool things. It's not a bad comic by any means. The jumping off point is kind of weird for me still because if I'm coming off of uh, Secret Empire, I believe that Tony Stark is pretty much dead. Yeah. Here it doesn't explain anything about no, that. No, I was looking for that as well. I was looking for that. I needed that actually. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the story. I thought it was is a good first issue if you had some idea of Tony Stark. Yeah. And the idea of this Tony Stark supporting cast, I'm going to call it, it seems like they're trying to isolate these characters in their own comic books, not having really any reference to what's going on outside. And I think that end or that nod at the end was like, this is your supporting cast. These are the people you're going to see in this comic book. You're not going to see, I think Riwi might have been in there. No, she wasn't there. Oh, she wasn't no, there? No, um, But I, I think they're saying like, you're not going to see the other Avengers. You're gonna, these, these are the cast characters cool. that are going to be contained in this book. Right. So that's kind of how I took it. So I think it's, if you're looking to get into Tony Stark, into Iron Man, you know, this is going back to basics, more or less, and giving you kind of a cast to work with. So I think it's worth a pickup. Like, this first issue definitely made me want to buy issue number two. Nice. nice. Yeah. What do you think of the art? I like the art, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the exception totally. of the trans, like 1980s Transformer-looking 
Iron Man suit, right. like the big one. It's kind of weird, but other than that, I thought it was a great book. Go nice. pick this up. Nice. Um, and now for my, my week in collecting, guys. You know, it really did had a slow week, but it really picked up today. <laughs> <laughs> I went over to uh, one of the comic book shops here in Calgary, and I walk in. I went to pick up a couple of this Tony Stark um, Iron Man book and a few others that I was a bit behind on. And I walk by and I see a box, a Hasbro box, and it says Star Wars Black Series on it. Ooh. Wave 32 or something like that. So I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I start, I can lick my chops. I'm like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Tarkin's in there. Yes. So I say to the, the combo guy, I said, can we open this? Like, fresh. He goes, yeah, yeah, but here's the caveat. If there's a Tarkin there, you can't have it. I'm like, oh, what? why? And he says, someone's already bought it. He says, I don't know when I'm getting it, but someone's already purchased it. So he cracks his case open. Weird case ratio. It had the Vader from the 40th anniversary. It had Island Journey Ray in there, but it did have the new Forlom. So this is the guy that completes out or at least starts to complete out the Bounty Hunter wave from or the Bounty Hunters from Empire Strikes Back. So we've seen a Bosk. We've got IG-88. There's a Dengar out there somewhere and a Zuckus out there somewhere. I don't know if they've been released or not, but I was super happy to get my hands on this because this is a single case pack. It's going to be hard to get, and it was fresh, mint out of the box. I was so stoked about nice. that. And then the other day, my dude Tro over here, <laughs> he says, oh, I was looking through Black Series, and I saw the Gamorrean Guard. I was like, the pig thing. Yeah. I don't know the name. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> where'd you see that? And he's like, oh, DB. I was like, dude, if you see it again, grab it for me. So he was going out. He said, I'll swing by, pick it up. He just delivered it to me here tonight before we record. Holy, is this a nice looking figure. Now, this comes in kind of a deluxe box. It's a bit weird. It's a bit bigger figure, a bit thicker. So it's in this bigger box, a little bit more expensive. But the detail is something else. I absolutely love this figure. I'm going to throw a picture up on Twitter here when we're done recording. It's got soft goods. This is going to be a hard one to find. I think it's a bit more of an exclusive. I don't know if it's deemed an exclusive, but my guess at the price point, it's going to be a little harder to find. Now, this is over the $35 rule. Yeah. I yeah. did break it for this because I really love this character. Not because they're great in the films, but because it's a big legacy Return of the Jedi character. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. I've got the, the Vintage Collection one up on the shelf here. And uh, I'm so stoked about this, man. So shout out to my dude, Troy. Yeah, man. Being out in the hunt figure. there. So <laughs> missing a figure for sure, man. Now, speaking of my collection here, we, we have this thing, this video mm-hmm. uh, called Peak the Nerd Room. And I just realized I forgot to do something at the end of it. But I did <laughs> finally film my Peak the Nerd Room video. I took nice. some time out on the weekend. I got everything prim and proper in here and I filmed it. So grabs... It will be there as you're listening to this episode. I know you've been asking for it for a little while. And for those of you who are new or those of you that are coming back every week, one, thank you very much. And two, <laughs> make sure to go check that out. Give it, give you guys an idea. I'd love to hear your comments and thoughts on my collection. I've tried to narrow things down. I've tried to focus a little bit, but it's it's pretty expensive, I think. It's it's, oh, a, yeah. it's a lifelong oh, yeah. collection yeah. here. You never so, take it for granted. That's oh, sure. yeah. <laughs> I want to hear what you guys think about my nerd room. Any suggestions? Am I missing something? So just just throw the comments on YouTube or Twitter or whatever. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. But make sure to go check that out. As you listen to this, it will be on our YouTube channel along with Sunjay's weekly video. Nice, nice. So just type in the Nerd Room Podcast. Nice. I'm looking forward to watching it, even though I see it every week here yeah. in person. You know, the one thing I'd say you're missing is where's the Batman? Yeah, you took all my Batman stuff out of here. I know, I know. But I think you still have your Batman v Superman steelbook. I do. It is in that drawer I did not open for the video. <laughs> I 
do own that steelbook. As much as you don't think I would, I paid the money I, for that. I, I think that's when you were kind of like in your steelbook collecting phase. I was. You're like, you know what? It's a steelbook. I'll get it. Yeah. But I, have you got any others since then? Nope. <laughs> no, I put a big hole. I don't even get all the Marvel ones anymore. So yeah, that's nothing right. against DC there. <laughs> now, Sanjay, on, on Twitter, yes, you had a little bit of a week. Not a, like as far as creating controversy or anything. Oh like yeah, that. well I, you know I was on Ambien and uh, you know I shouldn't. Have... Then it happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the president was tre- tweeting you. I don't know what happened, but he's like following me now. Yeah, that's good. Nah, I don't know. If that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, not anymore. <laughs> but you were running with a bit of a hashtag. That's right. Yeah. And I need you to explain this to me because I read through the thread that yeah. you and I think Matthew Salvador and a few others were kind of bantering back and forth. Yeah. On Twitter, there it was released the Snyder cut. Now it confused me a little as to what you guys were chasing there. What what was this release the Snyder Cut hashtag all about? Because I went a bit deeper, and it, it goes back pretty far. Oh, yeah. Like, this, this you know, this is a movement. You know, we're <laughs> making ourselves known. Don't we're... be like the boycotters. <laughs> <laughs> we are much better fans than the boycotters. Ooh, it's uh, out there. <laughs> you guys play a little more fair, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all we want is something that has already been done. And so when uh, Zack Snyder was shooting Justice League... He actually shot, uh, people close to the film have said 99% of his vision, or pretty much like 100% of his vision. There's just some uh, special effects work that needs to be done, but it's all there. It's already shot. Just no edits or anything. Just no edits yet, but that's still, you know, he was in the middle of editing until the tragedy struck, and people are saying that WB took that and like said, okay, that's an out, but they were trying to get rid of him anyways and bring in Whedon to lighten the film up change the tone of the film and change the direction of where they were going to go with it and so release the snyder cut movement is pretty much just uh you know we want wb to release the movie they did it for superman 2 with richard donner they released the richard donner cut because when they're filming that they fired the director and replaced him halfway through shooting and so he had pretty much like 90 percent of his film completed and this is just to like let people know that you know we're fans of snyder a lot of people may not be fans of his work but you know a lot of people are fans of Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, and what he's given us. And we just want to see it out there. We want to see his completed vision because this was a trilogy he had planned. And, you know, we, we just want to release it. Just show it to us. It doesn't have to be canon. You know, we don't have to put this part of, like, the DCEU. This doesn't have to replace anything. But just give it to us fans so we can see his vision. He worked hard on the movie. He's worked hard for DC and WB for many years. So... Just do what's right, WB, and let us see Zack Snyder's completed vision for Justice League. Well, there you go. There's yeah. the explanation. Because I went a bit deeper, and some people were talking about Man of Steel, Snyder Cut, and all this. Well, there's rumors that there's like a four-hour cut of that oh, movie. I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, okay. But even like WB, even Batman v Superman, they cut half an hour from that film. Yeah. And I think that half an hour added a lot, in my opinion, that I think it would have been a little oh, bit We better. did get the ultimate version of that, or ultimate cut, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, so we did get it, but like we didn't get it in theaters. Yeah. And so we're like, WB, like, man up. You know, stand, be, stand behind your man, there as the country is. song goes. Yeah, stand behind your man that we used a terrible tragedy <laughs> to force <laughs> yeah. make Make him right. And, you know, even, you know, even if they never released a Snyder Cut, maybe this will show the new uh, charge of WB and the new head of DC, like, film hey, Zack Snyder has a lot of fans, so maybe they'll invite him back and maybe he'll be directing Man of Steel 2. We will see. That's Stay tuned. Sure. Stay tuned. What is it? 
Hashtag release the Snyder Cut. There yeah. it is. Yeah. Sanjay's on board with this. <laughs> release the Snyder Cut. I mean, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, there you go. I'm not, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'd borrow it, though. I mean, aren't you guys, as people who, you know, you guys kind of like Justice League, I would say, more than Batman v Superman? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Are you guys interested to see what Snyder had planned? You know what? I would probably sit down and watch it. Like, four hours, no. No, I don't. I don't. I think the Justice League film is maybe like two and a half hours. I'd I don't be really interested know. to see a different take because that's kind of something that we don't usually get. Like, what would Edgar Wright have done with Ant Man? Right. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. what would Gareth Edwards' final cut of Rogue One look like? What would the Lord Miller Han Solo look like? Yeah. So having the ability to do kind of that what if scenario, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. So yeah. yeah, I say no here because that's the character I play in the podcast. <laughs> but I would probably watch it. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that ship sailed. I, I think Snyder and WB's uh, relationship is kind of parted ways i think the, the latest movie he's working on right now he's shot with an iphone or something like that well he did like a short film but he's yeah, worked... called the start of justice League. <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah that was a weed and shoot that was a weed and shoot um actually he's making a new film i think it's called the fountainhead um and it's from w- it's on with wb it so with WB. maybe they're mending fences who knows yeah there you go. Just ma- give us Man of Steel too. I think Zack Snyder would do a great job. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Well, with release the Snyder Cut firmly in Sanjay's back pocket, <laughs> we're going to shift this over to a very pleasant end to our week in collecting. Now, I got a box delivered to the house, to the nerd room, late last week, and it came from a friend of the podcast. This comes from Steve Kirk of San Diego Sabres Radio Podcast. Now they're part of Steve? Yes, they're part of the Star Wars Commonwealth. Absolutely fantastic show. These guys are on point every single week. They really, really focus in on the combat skills, the lightsaber battling, the dueling and all that, but then they also get into some fantastic Star Wars chat. And I love, love listening to these guys. It drops every single Monday, and they're a riot. But Steve also ventures into a few other avenues of nerddom. Now, he runs Intergalacticon. Now, this is a brand new convention out of San Diego. He runs it himself. This year was the first annual Intergalacticon. And he sent us a package with some Intergalacticon merch and he he comes with a handwritten letter here tim troy and sanjay nice loophole with the chewy outfit sanjay thank you (laughs) you you rival Corey himself now it's our dude chop rules with a z from tumbling saber he says here enjoy a few gifts from igc hope you can make it out in person one year keep up the amazing podcasting long live the commonwealth may the force be with you Steve. Oh, so awesome. We've got three individual packages here. We're gonna crank these All open right, right now. Alright, let's do it. And then we'll throw an image up here on Twitter. But they're little white boxes. And I love we these boxes. Wow. Crack them open here. Oh we've got this? three items in here. We've got a Intergalacticon San Diego beer glass. I will be putting this to use. Absolutely. Near immediately. Beautiful. Ooh. Oh, I love Whoa. And then we've got some, what are these, stickers? These stickers or these pogs? pogs? I was about to do some pog challenges. Oh, yo, right sh- now. where's your slammer? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think we got a slammer you here. with me, man. There's stickers, it looks like. Ooh. I think. And then almost like a commemorative coin. Yeah. It says, free your fandom 2018. This is Steve, really this is nice. Fresh, man. Yeah, Greatly appreciated. Like, wow. No joke. This is mint. Yeah. Like, legit. Not even like mint because it's a coin. But like legit man. Oh, you got the controller going on. Intergalactic con. This is awesome. So, first of all, Steve, thank you very much. I, we didn't know this yeah. was coming. 
I know a couple of the other guys in the Commonwealth have got packages as well, and we really appreciate that. And I have to commit myself here one year, like whether it's next year or the year after. Next year, I guess, is is um, celebration. But I'd love to come out to this one year. Like this is this is absolutely awesome. And you know, like I said, make sure to go check these guys out on Twitter. You got San Diego Sabres Radio podcast on iTunes and all that. Intergalacticon, he does have a Twitter feed for that. Awesome. So make sure to link up with all that and keep in touch with what's going on as far as that goes next year. Like this is this is pretty cool. This is awesome. This has some weight to it too. This I know. Wow. Look at look at these stickers. This is this is pretty cool. You know. I've been to San Diego for another convention, but you know I'm I, I want to go. We're gonna go. Let's go yeah. one year. Nerd room crew. This this looks like a very fun time. Yeah, and the nice thing about this, I think it ran the second week of June. If it's consistent with that, that might be a nice family trip. Yeah, the three of us could take a little detour, if you will. Oh yeah. yeah. Over to Intergalacticon. So, anyways, Steve, thank you very much. You didn't have to do this. We really appreciate this. This is gonna find a great home. In the nerd room and all yes, of our nerd rooms. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Steve, greatly appreciate it, man. You are too kind. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, thank you. You know, your package was excellent. And uh, thank you so much for sending it to us. And, you know, every time I drink from this mug, I'll think of your mug. So yeah. thank you very much. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Let's jump into some of the news for this week. We're going to kick this one off. With the box office, as always, we like to follow this, especially in the summer months <sighs> when we've got these massive flicks <laughs> dropping. And we do have our Nerd Room box office fantasy Every pool. time you bring up the box office, there's like a thousand kicks to the crotch. Yeah, sometimes I like to rub <laughs> it in. So for those of you that are new, we have this box office fantasy draft that the three of us did. Sanjay took Star Wars, or Solo, a Star Wars story, number one overall, thinking, yeah, it's going to play like a normal Star Wars film, not like Thor the Dark World, <laughs> which is playing identical to. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. But my two picks, my big picks, debuted in the last two weeks with Incredibles 2 and this week's Jurassic World, which killed it with $148 million domestic opening. Nice. $350 million is where Incredibles 2 sits domestically now, so I'm hot on the heels of Troy, Oof. who did take Black Panther second overall. That's right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Troy, yeah, you man. did see Incredibles 2 this past weekend. Yeah. Overall thoughts. We're going to spoil anything here except for two small points. <laughs> but what are, you, what are your thoughts? Did you like it? I thought it was okay. Yeah. I thought it was okay. I, I liked the first Incredibles a lot. Um, this movie was all right. It started off pretty strong for me, and then it uh, it fell a little flat for me in the middle ground there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. There's, it's it doesn't have that same Fantastic Four vibe. Yeah, that Incredibles one did. I watched that twice with my daughter before we went and saw Incredibles two. Yeah, she it was a little long for her. Like she, yeah. ended up, she ended up in my lap for about the back half of the film, yeah. and I'm not sure how engaged she was towards the end. Yeah, um, I like the focus of uh, Elastigirl, and yeah. I felt there wasn't enough of the family aspect that we got from the original film. Definitely. This is almost like Elastigirl, an incredible story. Featuring them. Yeah, and, and I, I, you know, the thing is, you know, taking the Incredibles out of it, I felt like it's just lacking for a Pixar film in general. Yeah. You know, Pixar does such a great job of keeping the kids engaged, but also giving the adults pretty cool humor mm-hmm. this movie didn't do either for oh, me my, really? my daughter was starting to lose it after the, about half an hour yeah wow you know 40 minutes in and um I, i'm not gonna lie I, I passed out a little bit of the movie myself, <laughs> so, so hopefully i can catch those questions that so, you're about to throw you. <laughs> two, just fake it <laughs> there's two little things i want to throw out there so semi-spoilers this okay. has really nothing to do with the film there's not a ton of spoil about the film anyway right but there's a point in there where they meet some other new superheroes yes and she walks into a room and sees this big orange dude with like a brickwork chest. Yeah, called Brick. Called Brick, yeah. yeah. 
did you as soon as i saw it i was like thing <laughs> yeah i can see that for sure because yeah. well, the thing is like bricks you know yeah, so, yeah. yeah but can... in like just their comparison to fantastic four in the past oh yes, and yeah this, i was yeah. like i was like wow that's like very on the head, I thought. Well, even the brother, the guy that created the whole thing yeah. uh, the, of the superheroes, he had the, the Reed Richards kind of face going yeah. on for me. I don't know if that was anything, but I, I see what you're saying for yeah. sure with Brick. And then there's another part in the film when they're looking at the bunch of people crowded around a TV screen. Yeah, oh, that scene. And some dude walks in that I, I was like, that's the Stanley cameo. Like he had the mustache, like he had everything. And I was like, this looks exactly like Stan Lee. Might have been sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) You're not really like selling me on this movie, guys, because I haven't seen it yet. You know, there's one thing too. you know, slap on the wrist for Disney, too, is there's a you got to be careful, actually, with this this movie, because as you're aware, too, there was um, a seizure moments, actually. There's some pretty high volume, bright lights going on. Yeah. And it's a little out of control. I kind of thought, like, why would they go that route when they're trying to brainwash the, the the audience not the audience but the crowd in the film yeah. itself yeah. Right? I turned my daughter's eyes away from it same yeah I put my hands over my kid's face I was because... like it's it was it, now there was a warning there on was. the screen because yeah. there was complaints about it yeah and there was about a 30 set it sat up there for a long time yeah wow. morning I was like, like 30 good seconds yeah so but it was pretty intense it's brutal because yeah. at first I was like okay maybe it's a one and done because it starts off a little bit yeah but then yeah. after they hit you back with that scene wow. again I was like this is a little extreme so. yeah I didn't I didn't yeah I yeah. turned her eyes away she doesn't have epilepsy or anything right, like but, that but you know. yeah it's it was it was a bit weird so overall yeah I'm, I'm happy I got it in the box office <laughs> pool but it's not something I'm gonna run back to and I don't think my daughter really no. liked it like, no. she didn't come out being like yay she's kind of like flopped on me yeah. The short film was cool. Yeah, that was really yeah. good. Yeah. Do you think, like, I've heard that from a lot of people, actually, that said, you know, second one was just okay. Do you think that's because, you know, 14 years have passed, so, I mean, <laughs> we've got, it's a long time, I mean. <laughs> so, it's funny you mentioned that, because did you get the start of your film? It was like, they had the voice actors, yeah, like Samuel, Samuel Jackson, Jackson and the guy from Coach and the Elastigirl, yeah. and they're like, we get it, guys. It's been 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> we had all this time to write this film, blah, blah, blah. We get it. It's 14 years later. Yeah. So they kind of acknowledge that already. Oh, okay, yeah. But the momentum, it's like the Avatar effect, right? Yeah. It's still killing at the box office. For sure. But to me, it's, it's just... A mediocre sequel. Yeah, this movie could came out 14 years ago, but I feel like it's at its peak because we were living in a world of superhero yeah. fandom, yeah. right? So, like, what better time to put yeah. out than now? Will we get a third one? I don't uh, think so. They, they have to, if they do, they have to shift back to the family side of it because and this felt like up. a spinoff to me, an yeah. Oscar Girl spinoff. Yeah, I, I feel like they got to age them up. I think yeah. they missed an opportunity to grow these kids up as opposed to taking place right out like exactly. Maybe it's like later. not even. It's like yeah. days later. Yeah. Oh wow. Because yeah. like they literally pick up where the last one left off. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was kind of looking for that, too. When I first saw the commercials, in my mind, I just assumed, oh, they've jumped. The kids are going to be old. They're going to be fighting crime. Yeah. They kind of hint towards that. Yeah. But I'm hoping if they do a three, it is like, yeah, let's age these kids up. Yes. Let's have a family, real Fantastic Four vibe to yeah. this. I didn't mm-hmm. get it have one of the kids go off as like a rebel. Like this kid's doing yeah. their own thing, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah. We'll see. So. We'll see, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, do you think, like, that, that played effect? Like, the expectations, maybe, you know? It's like, it's all, you know, this is like, animation is the one thing that you could do you couldn't do like another film like 14 years later like live action because the actors will change right but like do you think like maybe this is something that star wars has gone through too with like looking back with like when the prequels came out everyone was like yeah but the original trilogy like it never lived up to it and like people built it up for like many many years i don't know if a ton of people were like hey i have 14 years of headcanon on incredible <laughs> <laughs> i guess I mean? it's true yeah this, this is a little bit different i but... will say like when i watched it 
I was like, this doesn't feel like a Pixar film. Exactly. I did, like your, your comment actually really hit home with me there about the lack of that humor. Right. I didn't laugh really at all. I didn't laugh much at all. No. no. And some of the jokes were like, we've heard these jokes yeah. over and over oh, again. Oh, really? Some of the timing of the jokes, especially for animation, was just off for me. Yeah, it's, hmm. yeah, it's yeah. a bit weird. But, yeah. you know, onto onto slightly brighter pastures. Let's do it. And, and a franchise that is often compared, or Incredibles is often compared to, and that's Marvel here. The next big MCU film drops next week, is it? Uh, no, the week after. Oh, it's, no, it's on your list, right? Yeah, it's oh, a, it July 6th. Yeah, it's July 6th next week. Yeah, it is. Oh my goodness. Pretty wild, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so we're going to be doing our prelude to Ant-Man and the Wasp. I had this this same idea. I was like, oh my God, do we have to do the prelude? <laughs> no, so that'll be coming next week as the film debuts. But it did have its world premiere this past week i think on monday last night it might have been as we record yeah this film does drop on july 6 but usually they do this world premiere a couple weeks before and this is when we get the general thoughts or the first reactions via twitter and other social media outlets and overall for this film you know we've had quite a bit of promo for it they've really hammered the marketing machine post infinity war got this all in the consciousness of the general population yes there's another marvel film coming <laughs> but it's not really tied inherently to infinity war that's been driven into people's skulls but the general thoughts coming here are tons of fun great sequel visually it looks awesome the villain is really cleverly done overall very positive reactions here. People saying Marvel is three for three this year with Black Panther, Infinity War, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. All three very different scales and all mm -hmm. three, you know, one is the big event film, one <clears throat> is the new entry, and one is the sequel to one of the, I think, the lowest grossing MCU films of all time. Still one of the one of the good ones, yeah. but yeah. this looks like it really puts the Wasp center stage. So there's a lot of kind of hype around that. There's hype around the, the comedic end of it, swinging to the other side of things. So are you guys, of course you guys are, but how pleased are you to hear that this film is doing well or seemingly going to do well? And does this change kind of any of your perception going into the film? Nah, man, it pisses me off. Marvel can't get a rotten movie. I mean, here I am sitting with, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is on your list. You're rooting for this uh, Yeah, one. yeah. No, I'm, just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm excited for this film. I, I've heard good things about it. I heard we got another good villain. Or yeah. A couple good villains yeah. in this film which is uh always good i'm hearing more uh the director of peyton peyton reed peyton reed uh, has obviously like full control of this film as opposed to last last film yeah. is like a little bit more Eleventh hour right? type thing yeah, so this oh time yeah really get to see him do his thing so that's pretty cool always i'm excited to see paul rudd i think he's hilarious and i like wasp i love this actress um she's been killing it i always liked her since lost yeah and I oh, can't wait she's to awesome she's great she's great in the first one i liked her a lot in the hobbit series i know a lot of people didn't like the hobbit i did and i can't wait to see what she does yeah she's not too. aged a day not a day right <laughs> well her lost. and paul rudd like i don't know yeah. what they're sipping out of but yeah. well, same with great. michelle pfeiffer yeah she still yeah. looks like she's like 30 years old oh, catwoman yeah, all forever in our hearts. Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I echo the sentiments. Uh, you know, Ant-Man to me was my favorite comic book movie of 2015, the year it came out. So, you know, it beats some like high movies on there. So I'm really excited to see this. I have it in my box office pool. I need to write the ship. You know, I think this one could be a surprise hit. I took it because I was banking on that Infinity War like spillover. Yeah. People are still high from that movie. They're like, you know, what? we're going to go see it. And they want to see more MCU. And people say, you know, an end credit scene ties directly into Avengers 4. Yeah. The, Feige said this is a direct lead into kind of in a weird way, but it does tie to it. So, I mean, that's going to get people excited. And I think if this movie came out before Infinity War, 
it probably would have done maybe half the business it's going to do now that it's come out after it. Yeah. I, I'm pretty confident this is going to break a hundred million this weekend Ooh, or the big. next weekend. That's big. I think, well, here, here, predictions? Yeah, well, we'll do our predictions okay. next week yeah. in the prelude okay. episode, but cool. just for some context, the first film did $57 million in opening weekend, which is, I think the smallest. Cause it's an ant. Yeah, really <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even shooting for a pun there. <laughs> this one they're saying in the 70 to 80, I think, right now. But I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get to our predictions for next week. But I think you're right in the sense that this will see a bump, especially with this positive word of mouth. We've seen this give films 10 to $20 million bumps in their opening weekend. So you're right. This thing could push close to that triple-digit opening. It'll be a little tough. I, I, I'm with be. you, though, just because yeah. people are coming off of Jurassic Park and Incredibles. So a lot of the people that have gone to spend their money is probably yeah. going to be on those two films. Yeah, after a heavy out, May, too. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And then summer's on, you know, people going on summer vacation, all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I'm with you. I hope I hope they I hope they get to that 100 Yeah, mark. they deserve it. I, yeah. I hope they are. I'm already excited for three. I'm hoping they get it more so just for your sake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's like choosing if we were playing like World Cup soccer and you guys have like... I don't know, like Argentina and you have like Spain and I have like Toronto FC. Like that's like the discrepancy we have right now. You get a big back end of the year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as Ant-Man and the Wasp is due to drop next week, this is more or less buttoning up some of the last few movies before we get to the end of phase three. Now, Fuggy out on the promo trail for Ant-Man and the Wasp has been discussing Captain Marvel a little bit, Avengers 4, saying that we're looking at a trailer for Captain Marvel still a few months out. I think they're looking to wrap principal photography here within the next month or so. And he's also saying that we're not going to get an Avengers 4 title until after the debut of a Captain Marvel trailer. Now, we're likely to see, or not us to see, but to hear about a Captain Marvel sizzle reel of some sort that will probably debut at D23 if they're doing that this year or some sort of convention. Now, they're not going to SDCC 2018, which is kind of a disappointment, but look for phase three to really start to take shape here and really get our last pieces into place before actually seeing the films over the next couple months. Because what's also been happening in the background here is phase four is starting to shape up as well. Now, Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn posted on Instagram and Twitter that he has submitted a script for volume three, which is pretty exciting. They look due to start shooting probably sometime early next year. And with this first script out there, means that there's a plan in place this movie looks to debut i think in 2020 probably that may slot again and james gunn did confirm that this takes place after the snap nice okay so this is not taking place in that very isolated timeline of guardians of the galaxy volume one volume two and then we see the guardians infinity war this is happening after so this is going to pick up the pieces of infinity war and we all know from that film the Guardians have a lot of pieces to pick up. <laughs> yeah, literally and figuratively. Yes. Well, it makes sense too, right? Because we've already seen Avengers 4 by that point. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, Exciting. I'm pretty excited to see this. And really the big news from Marvel this week was the reveal by Tom Holland himself, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, the title for Spider-Man 2 in this new Spider-Man continuity. Yep. Now, I love what they do with Tom Holland here. They play to the idea that he can't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> because... He's going. He's at. He was at some convention. Right. This is posted on his Instagram feed, and he said, "I can't reveal anything at this convention, guys. I'm really sorry, but I did get the script for Spider-Man Two, and it's great." And he holds up the iPad, and we see the title card and the night name for Spider-Man: Homecoming Two, if you will. Yeah. Spider-Man: Far From Home. I. 
I love how Marvel does this. <laughs> this is marketing at its best. Yes. You know, we've talked a lot about the solo marketing and how influential Marvel can be with their marketing. And like I said earlier, we are really anticipating Ant-Man and the Wasp here. We've got Captain Marvel up next, Avengers 4. Lots of anticipation. But Marvel wants you to keep thinking because we're going to this big lull. Once you keep thinking about their properties, what's next for Spider-Man, which comes out in a year from now, yep. July 2019. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be basically the epilogue to Phase 3, to Avengers 4 that comes out in early May. And it's going to be picking up those pieces and really launching into this new era of the MCU with the new leads in Captain Marvel and Spider-Man Homecoming. Yep. Now with this title reveal... What do you guys think about it? Spider-Man <laughs> Far From Home, playing to that home again. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I like the fact that keeping that home kind of in the title. You know, it's probably going to be the same thing in part three. Yeah. Spider-Man Homesick or I don't yeah. know. Home cooking. Yeah. Home cooking. Home yeah. slice. Home. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man Sherlock and Holmes. Oh. That was our, we're going to entertain this. <laughs> oh, and you know who played Sherlock was Robert Downey Jr. That's right. That's yeah. right. Confirmed. No, it's uh, it's cool. I, I like what they're doing here. I, I think we heard rumors before it's going to be somewhere in Europe. He's going to yeah. be going maybe like a summer vacation thing, mm -hmm. uh, because they are aging the character year by year. So he's probably going to like grade eleven, maybe grade twelve. I don't see him being out of high school yet for sure. So that'll be pretty interesting to see what they do there. But I'm just excited that we're getting that Spidey news. My biggest thing is, and you and me were talking about this, is how do you market this movie yes. on the heels of Avengers Four? You know, because obviously Spider-Man's dead at this point, yeah. right? We all know he's coming back. It's just been announced. But how do you market his return on top of pushing Avengers 4? Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? like that's, that's the big question. It's it's a very difficult thing to do because you have to avoid stepping all over Avengers 4. Yeah. And it might be more viral marketing like this. Yeah. Like talking about the villain, talking about Tom Holland, talking about how he... I, I don't really know how you do that. Right. Like, how do you pick up the pieces and promote that? Because you're basically leaving yourself a window of May to July, which isn't that much different than Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm -hmm. We have to remember, when do you debut a trailer? Yeah. yeah. Like, when do you debut a trailer with a new Spider-Man Exactly. In a different location it, it, with characters, with a character that is perceived to be dead. Yeah. We know it's coming back, but... How he comes it, back it, and how she do something different because we do hear whispers. And it's pretty much confirmed, like you were mentioning. Uh, Joan Hall is coming as joining the cast as um, Stereo. That's and right. There's also been whispers that um, Michael Keaton yes. is coming back as, as Vulture. So if you oh. do something, you know, because Spider Man and Batman have the best rogues villains. Ever, Absolutely. Right. So if you did something where you're marketing towards the villains, Ooh. you're marketing towards the fact that we have big names like Joan Hall is coming into the mix. Yeah. And that's what you focus on, which is kind of what Sony's been wanting to do this whole time, anyways. But you have the partnership of Marvel. So, Maybe you can do something like that. So basically you promote a Sinister Six style of film. In a sense, yeah. In a and sense. And once Avengers 4 hits, then you flip the marketing on its head and promote Spider-Man. Exactly. Especially like that. Oh, okay. Especially if, if the cool thing is, is because it's Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, if we're getting Spider-Man outside of New York and you have Craven the Hunter out there, like if oh, Craven's in this film, they you're need to add and you got uh, Quentin Beck as Mysterio, like... Man, there's a lot you can do. Yeah, I really do. like that. Yeah. That's great. It's kind of the reverse marketing. Because usually exactly. it's the other way around. Exactly. You get Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Okay, yeah, here's the side characters. Here's the villains in mm -hmm. your subsequent right. trailers. Right. Oh, that'd be great. I love Craven the Hunter. Oh, so do good. you know who would be perfect for him? Is Jason Momoa. Yeah, you can play any kind of rugged badass. Right, kind of, right. Show kind up of, with yeah. long hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sup? I'm Craven. <laughs> My man. <laughs> My Spider-Man. <laughs> 
I, yeah, I'm super excited for this. Spider-Man is probably my favorite Marvel character. Um, I love his movies. You know, he's had, what, six now? In total, yeah. He's up there. I think he's like number two or three with Batman and Superman. Those are the top three. Well, for appearances, right? Yeah, yeah for yeah. most. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I'm kind of concerned of, it's not really a concern, but it's just something that they got to be aware of, is Spider-Man has just taken it down. Well, he will at the end of Avengers 4, I'm assuming. He will have taken down Thanos. So how do you go from him taking down like a guy who just like snapped his fingers and threw away half of existence to him fighting a special effects artist with like a fishbowl on his head? You know, they got to walk that fine line because they went so big with Avengers and I'm so happy that they did with Avengers 3 and 4 is that, you know, the next solo outings, I hope it doesn't feel a little bit hollow. You know, like they yeah. really got to make this like a personal film. Like maybe the villain won't be as big, but make this more a Spider-Man story. Do you think that Avengers 4 is going to really feature any of our new characters? It's no coincidence that the original six Avengers are left, yeah. plus a few add-ons like Rhodey and a couple others, right? Right. Which, right. which may or may not be characters that are killed off. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I think about that, that question, I'm like, okay, maybe we're not going to see your Black Panther or your Spider-Man until the end of the film. Yeah. Maybe yeah. this is as... Infinity War was centered around Thanos. Maybe this is really the finale to where we picked up everything in 2012 with Avengers. Right. So really, the return of Spider-Man isn't him coming back to battle Thanos in the same way that he did in Infinity War. It's about the return and picking up those pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Because like we had mentioned in our Infinity War review, there was a lot about sacrifice. Yes. And it seems like they're really hinting at the fact that characters like Captain America, Iron Man, some of these big legacy characters are going to really have to sacrifice themselves for the new generation. So both metaphorically and almost physically in film, passing a torch of some sort, Mm -hmm. um, passing on that legacy to someone different. So I think it's going to be a lot about them and less about those new characters. And that's maybe how they're able to get away with the idea that we're not having a, a huge cosmic battle. Yeah. This might be a more personal Avengers story than it is a massive event style of film that we got in Infinity War. Right. Mm-hmm. So that might be a way that they're able to kind of hammer that out and not have to worry about Spider-Man, you know, zipping around in space. And then all of a sudden he's hanging out in London. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's kind of a cool angle. I, I really like it. And I like the fact that, we're going straight back to a personal story. Exactly. Because we, we need to kind of recenter and refocus the universe around these these new characters that are going to be helming it going forward because we can't just have these big things. We can't be escalating everything. Yeah. Like we got to have another slow burn, whether it's the scrolls, the secret invasion exactly. type thing or whatever. But we need to reestablish these characters and have the ability to have these solo franchises without asking like, why doesn't Spider-Man just call Iron Man or Black Panther or something? Exactly. You got to take them out of their element, out of their comfort zone and do something different, hit them off guard mm-hmm. and have these stories evolve in like a day or two. So they don't have the convenience of saying, dude, just fly over and help me out. Exactly. Like, this yeah. guy's crazy. So yeah, well, it's, it's like the comics too, right? You got to bring it back to the basics after these huge events and yeah. nobody better to do it with than Spider-Man. You know, he's still a kid. He's still learning how to be Spider-Man. Um, I did hear that. I believe the original costume designer from homecoming, she won't be returning, but she oh. did hear that the costume in this one will be, more to its traditional Spider-Man sense. Not maybe necessarily in the design, but the way it functions. Cool. So I have a feeling like Tim was mentioning there, Spider-Man's not going to be asking for help or receiving help from like guys like Iron Man. He's going to be growing into the suit more so himself, like more of like a step into manhood. Mm-hmm. So he'd be more of that independent Spider-Man that yeah. we know. So he can have more of that personal battle between him, Mysterio, and say 
uh, Craven, which is another way you can actually pull this movie off if Spider-Man is taking on two or three villains. I know in the past it hasn't worked, but with the backing of Marvel, you can do it properly, but that can kind of be like the equivalent of like, say, a group of guys taking on Thanos. You can now scale it back to Spider-Man's next big challenge is taking on two or three yeah. enemies, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty exciting stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm already stoked about Spider-Man. Definitely. And we still don't know how he comes back to life. Have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So they, they've been able to see this idea when we still have three huge movies to go yes. before we get to this. Yes. Yeah. One year away, about that, give or take a few weeks here. So well, it's it's really exciting. I'm glad I'm glad we're getting Spider-Man out of the gate. I think it's the appropriate character to kick this universe off with. You know, with the big ending of Black Panther, we need to take a bit of a breath from Wakanda on that. We need yes. to come back with something fresh. Spider-Man, I think, what was it, 2006? 17. 17. Yep. So we'll be two, three years removed from all of that. So that's that's a good time huh? to kind of restart and kick off this universe while we have, you know, Captain Marvel being pushed to the forefront as well. Black Panther, of course, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So Phase 4, already looking great. We just need the Fantastic Four in there. Yes. <laughs> we'll be all good. Written by Jonathan Hickman. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Oh. Now, this nicely leads into Grab's question of the week. Grab's granite. He's going to grab you by the hand, and he's going to keep on grabbing that granite. Every week, man. Something new, <laughs> something fresh. Only for you. Just comes off the top of my head. <laughs> by request. He's going to grab you. <laughs> And he is I'm gonna stop you right there. <laughs> I'm trying to say somewhat PG. <laughs> the subject of his question for this week is Oh, the places you'll go. You see how I tied it in there? Oh, I like it. I like right. it. He says Tim Troy and Sanjay, Marvel and DC seem to take very different approaches to the locations in their respective universes. DC uses fictional cities, while Marvel uses alternate reality cities. Now, what are some some of your favorite comic book locations in comics, and which city plays the biggest role in a comic? To include Star Wars, what are some of your favorite planets or cities in the universe? And lastly, if you had to relocate your family to any of these cities, which would it be, and how and why do you convince your spouse it's a good move? Thanks in advance. Grabs. So let's break this one down this week. Now, like we always like to do, yeah. first off, yeah. thank you, Grabs, for the question. Always appreciate it. Make sure you go follow Grabs Granite over on Twitter as well. This guy's a ton of fun to interact with, and he's always, always in the mix. Gotta love it. Yeah, love it. Let's start with the, the first part of this question here, guys. What are some of your favorite locations in comic books, and which cities play the biggest role in a comic? Oh, hands down, Batman Gotham. It, right, it takes yeah. the, It takes the cake for at least playing a role yes. in mm-hmm. the comics. Would never want to live there. Absolutely not. Like, <laughs> it's horrible. It's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. Like, did you right? see that place in the zero year? Oh, <laughs> get out of there. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be there. Uh, Wakanda is definitely... Oh, that's Wakanda's a good one. Like, yeah. Especially now it's come to life, and it's like now become like that character for everybody to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wakanda's huge. Obviously, Smallville is, is oh, cool. Yeah. Ever since the TV show um, with Tom Williams, that's what really got me... You know, visualizing what Smallville is all about. Yeah. But um, was the last one where we where would we want to live? Yeah. So some of your well, we'll we'll do. Let's finish okay. off this one here. So some of like your favorite comic book locations. Um. Yeah. You mentioned all the big ones. Metropolis Sorry. is one that yeah. I would add as well. Um. Also some other ones. The Mascara. Yeah. You got Wonder Woman's oh. Paradise Island. Might be a b- little bit tricky convincing the wife to move there, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> now, Sanjay, you're not allowed to look at anything. <laughs> ever. You mean I'm the only man in an island full of Amazon warrior princesses? Um, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you want to move there, wife? <laughs> um, maybe she'd counter then with, like, Sparta from yeah. 300. 
there you like go. yeah <laughs> everyone's good apps <laughs> <laughs> um and atlantis um from aquaman of course i yeah. love that it's like it's taken on its own uh vibe the city they've really expanded the role of atlantis in the new comic book run there's like different um areas or different neighborhoods in atlantis and you know there's like the uh one that people kind of like referred to as like the lesser than and all like the lesser than beings live there and all like the mutants live there and it's really cool it's taking on this like vibe it's i'm really digging what they're doing with atlantis and i really want to see it brought to life uh justice league did a little bit but i like to see a little bit more with aquaman so and i guess i should throw in a marvel one i mean new york city of course is yes. there yeah, that's but the big one. i will say um in avengers i think it's avengers 4 on the hickman run they make a visit to Regina, Saskatchewan, <laughs> and that is by far one of my favorite locations that they've ever done because Regina is a fun city, and Baron, if you're listening, your city got destroyed by alien bombs, <laughs> yeah. and Calgary remains safe. What about, you mentioned mutants at Genosis. Yes. That'd, oh, that'd yeah. 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 And uh, is that, what's the one, the asteroid that the mutants M- live M- on? M- Asteroid M. Asteroid yeah, M. That's yeah. pretty cool. I love that animated uh, episode where they go into space, and oh, then yeah. it's like all the mutants living there, and it's like this like harmony and another one you made me think of is the Savage Lands, which is yes. what, uh, Antarctica. Yeah, the dinosaurs and all that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> super cool. So a lot of cool and intric- interesting locations that they have in comic book land. Tim, what are some of yours? Now that you've taken all the good ones. <laughs> no, I think um, Asgard, of course. Oh, oh how yeah. do we forget about Asgard? Yeah. Yes, if you go back to the, the origin of Asgard and that in the comic books, it is one trippy mess. <laughs> it's it's The Rainbow Bridge is literally a rainbow. <laughs> but they, they've really evolved it as it's gone through the comic book iterations in, in the university. We It was over Wisconsin for a little bit, Asgard. Wow. <laughs> it, it's, it's been featured quite heavily in the cinematic universe. Now it's, it's destroyed. Um, another one I love is Nowhere. Oh, yeah, of course. Galaxy. Well, yeah. So it, it plays a big part in the comic books as well. And thinking about this, it's funny. I read this earlier and I was like, oh, man, I can't think of it very much. But we just rattled off like <laughs> yeah. 10 or 12 different locations. And the interesting thing, listening to those locations, they're synonymous with the individual, right? mm-hmm. which is very important. You think of Themyscira, you think of Asgard, you think of Metropolis, you think of one character. Yes. Yeah. You know, same with Wakanda, Nowhere. Right. You know, it's kind of cool, but you, you look at, at it and I guess... New York, you associate with Spider-Man and, and Cap. Daredevil, yeah. Daredevil, 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 yeah. So some of those, the bigger places, I guess, the big focal point being New York in, in Marvel Comics in particular, you do associate a lot more characters with that. But mm-hmm. I like stepping back and looking at the individuals and how important it is for the character right. to have a, a big backing of a location. And I, like you said, I think in the, if we're going to go, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe, combined with comics what they're doing with wakanda right now oh right oh yeah. yeah they're doing like the intergalactic city of wakanda yeah, that's right that's the next thing right yeah the comics looks pretty yeah. cool yeah. and the the way that they're able to kind of meld visually in film wakanda like this kind of almost tribal feel right with this highly advanced society right. mm-hmm. still heights, but still futuristic yes. at the same time yeah, yeah. This, like yeah. juxtaposition of all that they right. do that really well in the comic books so I don't know if we're missing much. I'm sure there's something. Bloodhaven, Bloodhaven, Bloodhaven Ooh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. Central City for the Flash, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. There's there's so many. There's so much. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, Star City, Star right? City. Green, that's Green right. Arrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And he went to Seattle things. for a bit too. <laughs> okay, that seems appropriate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why. Now the second part of this question is in, to include Star Wars here, of course, as we all love Star Wars. What are some of your favorite planets or cities in that universe? This is a, a big thing in Star Wars. Yes. Planets and cities. What is what are some of your favorite planets oh, from my two Galaxy Far Far Away? Is, is, is Naboo. I love Naboo. Be, before 
Well, around episode one era, uh, yeah. like Naboo's is just incredible looking visually. It's it's awesome. And uh, Sky or Cloud City, Cloud City, oh, okay, yeah. I love oh, love it. Um, little quick thing, actually, speaking of Bespin, I've been playing um, Battlefront two, and there's a level when you go to Bespin Cloud City, and as you go in there, you know you always see the clouds, but as you go in there, you actually get to see the cool um, space whales from Rebels, and I've never seen them outside of Rebels, so to see them look very cinematic and real was like. Something else, and you're in an X-wing, and you're flying beside these things. Nice. So, anyways, I just want to give that a quick. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, is Naboo the underwater city? Uh, no, no, that's. that's uh... I want to tip my tongue. It's a Gungan city. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. I forgot that. Uh, geez, I'm, I'm testing you guys. You don't know uh, the city. It's of... Jar Jar history, so nobody, <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool, like the underwater stuff. You're sensing a theme with me. Um, another Star Wars city that I really love is Canto Bite. Oh, you're I'm, killing me I'm here. just kidding. I just want to see your reactions. <laughs> I love this one, man. <laughs> nah, um, I'm going to go with the place that's kind of a city and a planet is the Death Star. Because, like, people lived on it's that It's a location, thing. definitely. It is definitely yeah. a location. And they said it's, like, the size of a planet. Yeah. I, I just love the design of it. It's so cool and so iconic. Yeah. And to see it, it's just it's just awesome. And I just love it. power. I know all that raw power, yeah, you know, I mean, and it's true power. <laughs> <laughs> right, I can't believe you didn't say this one. What about Mustafar? I don't Well, it's not somewhere I'd want to go. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite places. Like most most places I'm I'm thinking are quite inhospitable. With yeah. Mustafar, I love Hoth. Like Hoth oh, is yeah, my. Yeah. I think Oof. in the original trilogy, yeah, it's it's not. It's visually stunning because of what they do with it. Because yeah. they basically said, oh, yeah, you think we did everything in, in space because it's easy. Yeah. We're going to do everything in white snow. Right. And it looks awesome. It does. I love that battle. It does, yeah. I had a great appreciation for Crate as well. I, I got to give it to Ryan Johnson for no. Crate. Yeah, Crate was pretty cool. It is really it cool. Did. The whole footprint thing and the red versus the salt flats. The yeah. The juxtaposition of color there. Yeah. The palette that he used on that. It it really stands yeah, out. Like it true. is gorgeously shot. Mm-hmm. How about Scarif? Oh, Scarif looks great. Yeah, I like that too. Again, yeah. another like a jungle sort of beach sort of yeah, blue water thing. Look, yeah, it was really cool. That was really cool. Now some of the visuals we didn't get in the film, the stormtroopers kind of walking through the water. Right, right. I, I love that from the Promart. We didn't quite get it in the film. I think it was cut. But then you have to go back to classics like. Tatooine, like most Eisley spaceport. Oh man, the hive of scum and villainy. We turn to the Jedi, obviously. We're uh, Endor. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. course. Yeah, yeah. So. Or, or uh, the Cantina. Yeah. Yeah, most Eisley. Most Eisley. Yeah. Well, Moss Castle. Yeah. 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 Cool. This has turned yeah. into let's list every city because they're all awesome. <laughs> every planet. Is any one that you didn't like that they went to in Star Wars that you're like, oh, this location looks kind of whack? You know, I for me, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head that I'm like. Eh. Uh, yeah, I can't. Like believe. the ring, the ring of Crefine, I think it's called, which we see. What's his name on? Casting Andor is pretty cool, and then you've got the Lemu, Lemu, Jetta. Jetta's awesome. would be cool oh, for the Kyber crystals yeah. alone. So yeah, good. that'd be uh, that'd be pretty neat. Oh yeah. man, there's so many good plans, so many good locations, I both in, in Marvel, DC, and and Star Wars, but. Let's get down to brass tacks here, guys. If you yes. had to ask and pick up the family, what planet would you be going to? Planet or location? Either or. Just All right. Kind of... All right um, well, you know, besides Themyscira, because that's the <laughs> obvious one. You know, I, 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 just, I, just t- I just tell the wife, like, don't you just hate men? Well, I got the place for you. <laughs> <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> oh, I just hate men. You know. 
um, I would actually choose. We didn't say this one. It just came to me. Is the New Gods, New Genesis? Ooh, cool. It's it's paradise. It's like it's like heaven. So it's like yeah, I would definitely go to New Genesis. I mean, you might have to deal with fighting Dark Side, but and you'd be like the weakest one there because they're all gods. But uh, you know, or or you know, I just have another one, Mount Olympus, because in Wonder Woman, you know, you have the the Greek gods. So that'd be kind of cool That'd to move awesome. there, convince the white. Yeah, yeah, just be like, do you know what I liked? The movie Hercules. We Love could it. live it every day. Let's move to Mount Olympus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's, what's a good move for you? Picking up picking up the kid and the wife and saying, let's head over to... Yeah, I'm still I'm still attached to Naboo. I, yeah. I think I'm, I'm... Yeah, I'm still going to go with Naboo. As a kid, I always loved that place. Uh, this is off topic. Uh, Darkwing Duck's place. You know the cartoon Darkwing oh, Duck? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like a ripoff of Gotham City. Yeah, yeah. Always love that place. Seems pretty safe. I mean, Darkwing Duck holds it down. So. <laughs> he has launch pad to help him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gizmo Duck. Yeah, oh, like, Gizmo Duck. Oh, so yeah. sweet. Yeah, he's like Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Duck. Yeah. You'd be like the head superhero there. Yeah. 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 Maybe yeah. that's why you want to go there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying to think of a place that I could realistically make a pitch. Springfield to the family. Oh, yeah. Springfield would be amazing too. <laughs> like, what would I say to get my wife to move to a place like, I don't know, Naboo or yeah. New York City Marvel style? Yeah, <laughs> but it's always like it's always Dangerous. getting it's always getting blown up. I don't right? want to go there. I can't get my family. I think I'd have to go with Asgard. Okay, Ooh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm thinking yeah. the the pre destroyed Asgard in the MCU. That's right. How how do I convince her? You know, look at this beautiful place landscape. <laughs> you know, you can. Watch plays. Yeah. Dying Loki. Drop their Odin on her. This is your birthright. Yeah. Yes. Give her that double T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thor walking around shirtless, just having baths in the open. Yeah. It's, that's that's a win-win. I, I think I would choose Asgard. I don't really have a pitch for her other than the fact that I could say, look, Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. We lost all three of our wives yeah. to Asgard now. Thanks a lot, Tim. No problem. We can go hang out. On Mustafar. <laughs> Once we find out from Charles Soul how he got that castle, yeah. a pretty badass right. place to live. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Grabs, we've got to do this question, probably not in the direction that you thought, but that's why we love doing them. Gets us outside yeah. of that box a little bit, and we thank you, and we look forward to next week's question. Now, picking up on some of those Star Wars side, we're going oh, to jump. Sorry, before we continue, just like to say, Grabs, make sure you drop us your favorite places that you'd yeah. like to go and where you'd like to live. Exactly. Yeah, give up the goods, man. Yeah. Good Stop Good holding out on us. You're not just the question master. You're also the answer master. Yeah. Is that a thing? That's the what we <laughs> Right? Yeah. All right. Oh, now, yeah. He's Sir Grabs now. Yeah. Yeah, Sir Grabs. You forgot about that. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's jump over into our last kind of bit of news for this week. We're going to ask focal point of news, and that's Star Wars. I'm going to kick this one off with a bit of Thrawn. Now, a character that has got a lot of face time in recent Star Wars canon in novels, in comic books, as well as in Rebels. So we've seen him in in quite a few different mediums. And we're going to get a second novel from author Timothy Zahn debuting on July 24th, 2018. So there is a brand new cover for it. On the original cover, we do see Thrawn and Vader. This is a story, Thrawn Alliances, about the two of them completing a task for the Empire. So both of them have to work together, which is pretty cool. We haven't seen these characters together really at all. I was expecting maybe something in Rebels, but we really didn't quite get there. But the really cool thing about this that was just released this past week was an excerpt that I didn't read from the book 
and a SDCC exclusive cover. Now, on this cover is what really made me jump. And, and you being an Anakin guy, yes. I don't know how you didn't just fall oh. over. So the cover on this reveals Anakin Skywalker looking like Hayden Christensen yeah. from Revenge of the Sith. Yes. And we have Thrawn on here looking quite different than he has in the past. He looks to have his Chiss gear on, his army gear from prior to his entry into a galaxy far, far away proper and the Empire itself, which is chronicled in the Thrawn book. Now, this book does take place after that, well into the established Empire, but there is a flashback which goes to a point that was referenced in the original Thrawn novel by Timothy Zahn about his interaction with Anakin Skywalker prior to his turn to Darth Vader. Now, my dude, how oh. how and what are you thinking about this book right now? Oh, blown away. See, right off the bat, I was excited for this film already, or this film, this book, just off the cover alone beforehand when it was Vader and Thrawn. Now that we've got this exclusive uh, San Diego Comic-Con yeah. uh, variant, which just looks fantastic. You know, it's the Clone Wars Anakin, but with Hayden Christensen, and it's, yeah. we've never seen that before. No. So that's super cool. But just seeing a little bit of the synopsis, this, this, this book's going back and forth with flashbacks, seeing the interaction, I guess Anakin's out on a quest to save Padme, and he runs into the ship, in the unknown, uh, unknown regions. regions and comes across Thrawn. There's some cool uh, back and forth between the two, but they basically join forces to go and do something that they're going to go do. It's so cool because reading that book, not the book, but the comic book, you know, I was asking you, like, when did these characters meet? Because I didn't know anything about this. No. So now we're getting explained in this flashback telling format in this new book. So totally stoked. Um, I feel like Thrawn is being represented fairly well in the book so far, the comics. Rebels was a little bit hit or miss. Yes. Because I, I've never read the Legends like you have, but I know there's a lot of hype behind that character beforehand. So I'm really hoping we can start turning that wheel because we don't really have much opportunity left with this character with no. the outcome of Rebels. Well, it depends on... It depends, on, I guess, yeah, really. Spoilers for Rebels, I guess, if a lot of people may or may not have seen that already. Yeah. But I think in Rebels, some of the apprehension to do things with the characters because they're somewhat handcuffed by not wanting to completely dismiss the character. Yes. So they didn't let him play right out. They kind of gave him an ambiguous ending, Yeah. which allows them to kind of mess around with him a little bit, maybe in a timeline, say, like episode nine or something like that later on right. in the sequel trilogy or in that space between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. It seems like they have bigger plans because they continue to really focus in on this character. Yes. And he's been a, a fa fan favorite of mine for since i read those books now i didn't read them in 91 i probably read them in you know early 2000s but i've loved this character since then i love what they did in rebels and seeing this and i'm i've done the thrawn book i'm reading the comic books right yeah. now and i i really enjoy everything that timothy wait. zahn's doing this is going to be a really fantastic book and the fact that we're getting a little bit more insight into that clone wars anakin clone yes. wars era anakin and this this it was just an offhanded reference in right. the thrawn book it was like oh anakin skywalker i know this people love people's interest though i'm yeah. sure People are dying to know what happened between those two. Yeah, and given his deductive abilities, we're meant to presume, I would think, that he knows who Darth Vader is. Right, much like Tarkin kind of did in the yeah. Tarkin novel. Right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, very exciting stuff there. Now, going to a, a portion of Star Wars that maybe isn't as exciting. <laughs> this this past week, Collider, now, which is usually quite a reputable source. For sure. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. They've got a lot of good people working for them. And they seemingly have sources that are close to Lucasfilm, close to Marvel, whatever, to get these sort of inside scoops. But they had a an exclusive posted on their website this past week and into the weekend that gave some insight towards this idea that 
all future spinoff films, now spinoff being the standalone of Star Wars story films, were being put on hold indefinitely. Now, they had their story. They doubled down on it a couple of days later saying that, no, we believe our sources, that this is a real thing. ABC came out and said their sources from Lucasfilm said that this was inaccurate and speculative at best. Anthony Bresnikan, who is someone that's close to Star Wars, he does a lot of the EW writing for Star Wars, so all those covers, all those big articles that you see, he's the one that writes them, compiles and puts them together, so he seemingly has sources as well. Guys from Making Star Wars had some input, Jason Ward over there. So everyone was kind of throwing their ideas into the hat about what this was, what did this mean? And ABC kind of took the, none of this is real. Right. Collider was the sky is falling. What are you guys' thoughts on this? Like, do you think we're kind of somewhere in between that they've taken a step back given Solo's box office performance here? Now, we've chronicled that quite a bit on the podcast here. It's landed at about $202 million domestically. Oh. Probably not going to move too much further from that. So that puts it in that that Thor the Dark World kind of domestic hall. The international is a different story, though. $350 million internationally. Or, sorry, worldwide, worldwide. not Yikes. internationally. Yikes. So you're looking at, like, just over $100-plus million internationally, which is nothing. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on this, on a Star Wars story? The idea that it could be put on hold, or where do you think this all stands, given kind of all of the input we've had from various different sources, which are close to... You know, Lucasfilm and ABC being right. a Disney-owned property, people with sources. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of side more towards Collider, just because uh, I think it's Frosty Weintroff is the guy that, that broke the whole scoop. Right. Uh, he's done a lot of credible stuff with um, Disney in the past, actually. And so what he was saying, I think, made a lot of sense because the thing is, the way most people took it as... They haven't confirmed any yeah. of the solo stories or mm-hmm. the standalone films coming out, right? So right. he's basically just saying that those films are going to be kind of postponed for a while. But a lot of people took it as like, okay, well, that's that's uh, Boba Fett and yeah. that's Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Even though he did say that, but the, they were never announced in the first place. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think we all kind of speculate that anyways. After uh, Solo, they're probably going to pump the brakes for a little bit and just, you know, kind of collect themselves. What I do like and what you and I were talking about before is that I feel like this is like the turning point now for Lucas to really crack down, figure out their vision, put all their efforts into episode nine, really dig deep there. And then from there, you can focus on Ryan Johnson's trilogy, if it has to be, or whoever's trilogy. They didn't really specify. Well, yeah, he did say in the in the release in, from Collider there that it was about focusing on, you know, the builds episode nine and the next trilogy or next series, whatever comes next. So right. it was refocusing those efforts and kind of doubling down on making sure episode nine really hammers home. Which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think you really got to head home with that film just to get the audience back because we all got into this world with the saga films in the first place, right? So um, I don't know. Uh, obviously, ABC, they're, they're Disney anyway, so they're going to try and spin it any way they can. Yeah. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, um, you know, this goes back to what I was saying last week about the DC films. Like, there are so many out there, but none of them have even been announced. And then when they don't happen, people go like, oh, it, see, it didn't happen. And I think it's like Star Wars is going through that same thing. Like, for the first time, uh, Lucasfilm is trying to do this connected universe, as you will. So films are going to go by the wayside. They're going to see what does good, what doesn't do good, and then obviously put all their eggs more into what does good. You know, and Marvel's the same way. I mean, there's a reason why we haven't gotten a second Hulk film. You know, if that movie made $500 million, we would have gotten that. But we have three Iron Man. We're going to have four Avengers films because those ones kill it at the box office. Yeah. It's just simple math. And I think, you know, Lucasfilm is right to, you know, okay, let's see how Episode Nine does. 
Because if episode nine kills it like we all expect it to, um, everything's all gravy. Everything's back to normal. Everything's fine. And I think a lot of people expect that to be the number one movie next year. I mean, if we were, we were doing the box office fantasy draft next year, whoever gets the first pick is probably going to take episode nine. Well, isn't Avengers also? Yes. Avengers, yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm going for Avengers. Really? So case. right now, you'd go Avengers. I'd go episode nine. Yeah. Tim, you're the tie break. As far as what? If I'm... you had the first pick in the fantasy draft next year, what are you taking? That's a tough one. <laughs> I definitely go. I'll, I'll, well, I'll explain why I'll go Avengers. Okay. Because they clearly have the better track record. They have yeah. all the momentum going for them. Uh, since Last Jedi's been rocky, and then Han Solo's been rocky, and then now we've got this kind of news. Marvel's just been like smooth sailing, and every film yeah. that's coming out, people are just hopping more and more on that train. Yeah. I feel like in this generation, Marvel, the MCU, is the new Star Wars, what it was Ooh, in 77. That's a soundbite if I ever heard one. Put that <laughs> on. You have to look at it from the perspective of they took the time to step back, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the comparative analysis that we did with the box office. That they're going through some of their growing pains the same way that Marvel did with Iron the Man. start of Phase 2. Yeah. Iron Man and Thor The Dark World. Two of their weakest films coming off the back end of the biggest opening. The first film to do over $200 million domestically mm-hmm. in its opening weekend. They had all the momentum in the world. Yeah, and they saw that reflected in the Iron Man 3 box office. But then it stumbled. Then it yeah. slowed. The pace slowed. People were pushing these films away. Oh, what are they doing? You know, what's going on? And then they had the time. They'd step back for a year there, right? Yeah. And said, okay, let, let's let's pump the brakes here and figure out what's going on. And then they hit us with Winter Soldier. Right. So you have to think that <clears throat> they uh, they did have the momentum of Star Wars. Yes, we have 40 years of Star Wars here. But they hit the ground running and tried to treat this more like the Marvel Cinematic Universe after almost 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the expectation that because we have the Star Wars brand on it, therefore that will translate into money right. yes the film uh, the solo star wars story was fantastic i really yeah. love this thing love it Me the too. marketing wasn't there yeah. no at all and i think it, it performed the way that maybe they should expect the standalone films to perform in this lower bracket you're not going to get a billion dollars no. out of every star wars branded film no. so it's going back and reevaluating some of that maybe rethinking the marketing rethinking the production the talent that they bring on to write produce and direct these even the barriers for entry you know we had a long discussion a couple weeks ago about the international market and how poorly solo a star wars story film did i think personally like we've like i've said for the past five six weeks whatever it's been this film performed below expectations those very lofty expectations but maybe in line with what the expectation should have been domestically Mm -hmm. like an early phase two film but when you look at it internationally, that's where the problem is. Yeah. So whether they shift focus on marketing out there or they shift focus to provide a lower barrier for entry for countries like China, who have become this huge factor in Marvel films globally, like to the point where they're pulling in not quite as much domestically, but they're a huge chunk of the overall haul for this film doing over $2 billion. So I think this is the right move, is stepping back and just saying, all right, we're not canceling anything. I th- I'm a little bit more on the, they're not canceling right. anything. They're just maybe putting things on hold. It could be something as simple as, we were thinking about doing two movies a year. We're not going to do that anymore. Right. We're right. not going to put out a solo or a standalone film. I, that solo thing drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> not putting out a standalone film and a trilogy, a Ryan Johnson trilogy film in the same year anymore. We're going to spread these out a little more. And, and, and I think they'll take care of when they do it too because it's confusing, right? Like yeah. you had Force Awakens and then you had Rogue One. Yes. 
confusing. They didn't match up. And then you had Last Jedi, and then you went to Solo. I think they're going to take their time and really pick and choose when they put these standalones. Because you got to be careful when you put those in between a saga film. Yeah, well, that's that's the hardest part about constructing a universe in Star Wars right now in the same sense that Marvel has done and that DC is is currently doing is that outside of prequel-type films, now we're seeing some of this non-linear storytelling in DC and Marvel right now, but it's very well set up, and people, they spend a lot of time telling you where this is set. Right. Mm-hmm. Make it very obvious. Taking well, Captain Marvel back to the 90s, taking Wonder Woman back to the 80s. It's going to be easy to set up. But now when you have what's confirmed, Ryan Johnson's trilogy, the Benioff and Weiss series of films of sorts, a John Favreau TV series, and now we have Cartoon Stars Resistance and all that, all taking place with, for the most part, all new characters, all new locations, relatively loose ties we'll say there'll be the bigger universe to reference towards but what this is pointing you towards is that exact thing that they have to think how they market these things now how they make it feel like a cinematic experience and not throw so much out there that we get i'm not gonna say fatigue because that's not the right word but we're having a discussion before the podcast about marvel's netflix series Mm -hmm. something that we watched religiously when they first started coming out i found myself not even paying attention to them anymore i did not watch jessica jones i have not watched luke cage which dropped this past week both season two on both of those Mm -hmm. both of which i really enjoyed season one for i have no reason to not be watching them other than the fact that i'm overly consumed with everything else in the film world right now Mm -hmm. i don't have the time to do that so that's what I kind of wanted to talk about here is taking this idea, this future of Star Wars, whether it's the standalones, what it is in here, and talking about what we personally want from that. Because I think no matter what happens here, whether they put them on hold for a little bit, whether they rethink them or rethink the marketing strategy, we're going to get them eventually. You know, they could slide Kenobi on to the streaming service. They could do whatever, Boba right? Fett could just be a bounty hunter film. Exactly. Featuring Boba Fett. So yeah. Yeah, to me, it's not the sky is falling, Star Wars is, is done or whatever. Like, look what we've got it confirmed already. Yeah. And yeah. the unconfirmed things are like Fett and Kenobi. So yeah. <laughs> this universe is fine. Like, I, I, oh, I, yeah. think it, I think it's fine for now, as long as they put the foot in the right direction. If they get into like DC territory, then it could be a scary thing. Like as long as they start cleaning up stuff from now, getting their act together mm-hmm. now, and not to pass shade onto DC. But oh, I see what you're the doing. Fan, the fan base can only take. I feel like so much of whatever kind of uncertainty is going on behind the studio, and that's like any mm-hmm. studio. Like oh, nobody's, yeah. you know, no. I don't know how to explain this, but nobody is like audience proof to the fact that people will always be guaranteed to appear. Yeah, to yeah. Films, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah, well, and I, yeah. I think that's it. Now, now, what do you guys want from all this? You know, we've seen what's been confirmed here. We know what could potentially be coming. Now, whether it's just a little later or whatever. But what do you want out of Star Wars? Because I think that's the big question. Now, we're not here to, to preach or to do anything like that. Like, we need this. Or, like, have you seen this remake, The Last Jedi thing? Oh, brutal. Get out of okay, here. Okay, so <laughs> we're not about to say, like, they need to stop everything and listen to us because this is our only opinion. But... As fans, you know, with all this content coming, like, what do you want from this stuff? Are you guys going to choose silos like we've talked about in the past? Are you going to just stick with Benioff and Weiss or John Favreau and maybe consume some of the other films as they come at you the same way that we're doing 
with the grander MCU is that, yeah, we'll get to Luke Cage and Jessica Jones eventually, but it's not top of my priority list. Yeah. When we look back a few years ago, if you had to said this, it would have been like the first thing I'm doing. Yep. Mm-hmm. But now I'm thinking maybe it's a little different. Like, what do you, what's your thoughts there, Troy, on how this, this universe is evolving with the content that we're going to eventually get? Well, I think one thing which would be clear and I think would be great, not just for the general audience, but for like the hardcore fanboys and fangirls is to put a, a closing chapter on some of these sagas. So for instance, this time frame between episode three and four needs to be done with. Like we spent so much time between yeah. episodes three and episodes four that just needs to be cleaned up. So we can just get like fresher points into the universe going forward or going way back. But I feel like we keep spending so much time back here. It confuses everybody when you start hopping back there. Yeah. There's only so much story you can tell in a sense in that, that time frame. We're missing stuff from between episodes five and six, which is huge. We're just now finally starting to scrape the surface between episodes six and seven with Resistance and um, John Favreau's yeah. TV series coming out too. So I'd like them to clean up that a little bit. I'd also like um, for them to uh, focus a little bit more on some of the Jedis. Like give us some of the Jedi storytelling. Like these two solo or standalone films that we've had have been like zero Jedi. But mm-hmm. Star Wars, like when you think of Star Wars, you think of space battles and you think of Jedi. So yeah. it's kind of weird that we haven't really been getting them, especially the last two films in the Saga series have kind of been Jedi centric, but not really. Like when you think about it in these films, the only time we've really had like a lot of Jedi on screen is like the worst one, which is Attack of the Clones. Like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of crazy that we haven't really had a time with just a lot of Jedi's going mm-hmm. to battle unless you play like the old Republic games and you get to see these guys all go to war. So I'd really like to see some of that. And um, I, I've been I've been saying this forever, man. I'd really like to get like a Luke Skywalker film or at least a designated book. And I'm not talking the legends of Luke. I'm talking yeah. like an actual, like what was Luke doing between so-and-so. Yeah. I think that'd just be sweet because we've yet to see that Jedi bastard Luke. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at so far. Now, cool. now Sanjay, as, as a guy that came into this universe in 2015, we'll say. Yeah, pretty much. Just for argument's sake. Going into The Force Awakens, you've gone back and watched all the films. You've come to all the premieres for all the standalone films. So out of the three of us, you're the newest to this universe. Now you're coming in at a time when we're probably getting the most Star Wars content we're ever going to get thrown at us. How do you feel as being kind of the new guy to the universe with everything that's going on? Yeah, I mean, the good thing is when I came in, there was only six films. So, you know, it wasn't overwhelming. And now you got like all these different trilogies coming at us and a TV series as well. Like, I guess there was the animated TV series, but you didn't really, I guess, uh, maybe you do, but you didn't really need to watch them to enjoy. You do now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, just make it so it's not confusing. Like, lower that barrier to entry, as you always say. Uh, Make sure that uh, new new people can come and enjoy Star Wars. And just make, make sure that if you want to, you can watch the films and they can make sense. And you don't have to go back and be like, oh, I have to read this book now, or, oh, I have to watch this TV series. Have the film stand on their own and just keep making good content. I think, you know, there's been nine Star Wars films and I've enjoyed them all to varying degrees. And just keep making good films. And the one thing I would really like, I don't know if this is going to come back, but I really like that feeling when Star Wars, when a movie came out and it was a Star Wars movie, it was an event. Yes. Yeah everyone and your dog you go to the dentist and the dentist would be like have you seen the new star right. wars movie or you go to get the mail and the mailman's like have you seen the new star wars movie you know yeah, like, you live hey. in a white picket town well that's what we're missing you're right because yeah. when you're trying to do these movies every six months you you, you can't get that event feel yeah you know, you're you absolutely just, right it just like breeds familiarity you know and it's just like oh, but I marvel's don't... been able to do that though they've been able to maintain quality 
to be able to maintain at least to a degree the attention of a fan base, but also when the event comes, like boom. So the saga films are meant to be the event, yeah. and these are meant to be the holdovers. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe you don't need the holdovers every single year, but like Marvel can do it. So I think Star Wars can do it, but a lot of the, the, it comes down to is is that narrative, how they tell the stories. Right. Because it's confusing. You're right. I think, and Troy, you have this point, is they need to focus all their storytelling post-Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And maybe try, I don't know how you do it, try to have a common thread through there, even if it's loose. If they go back and do a Knights of the Republic, that's great. Yeah. But at the moment, that feels very fan service to me. For sure. Like, there's a lot of great stories to, to tell in there. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not against it. But if they want to build a base or a foundation around this content, there needs to be some commonality to it, something that's familiar for people coming into it. If you focus a lot of that storytelling in post-Return of the Jedi era, yeah. you can reference a lot of things. You can have something that happens in Resistance that is seeded or the idea of it at least is referenced in John Favreau's series, which then has a knock-on effect for wherever Ryan Johnson's trilogy is taking place. Right. So you need to have some continuity build within all of this content to get people saying, oh, I need to go watch this to understand that. So that's the mentality people have in the MCU right now is that mm-hmm. I need to watch Ragnarok before Infinity War because I'll appreciate the story more mm-hmm. because I have this understanding. Yes. They need to build that yes. into their filmmaking. And I don't know how you do that if you have a film set, Poster of the Jedi, Knights of the Old Republic, right. you know, you have your comic Absolutely. books in the middle yeah. of, of the New Hope era. Exactly. So they just, like you said, they need to clean that up and streamline it just for a bit. Yeah. Once you get that base, you can start going off right. mm-hmm. and doing your own thing, doing different things. Because it's it's that lack of familiarity that's going to confuse people. And we got, you know, these ideas that all new, all different characters yes. on in every one of these series. So right. it's like yeah. all of a sudden... You know, come 20,000, 20,000, 2019, <laughs> 2000 or 20, what am I saying? Yeah, 2019, 2020 and all that, that we're going to have potentially three sets of films or TV shows with six or seven characters per TV show right. to learn and care about and engage with. That's very difficult to do. You look at the closed environment that Rebels was after Clone Wars when there wasn't a lot of the saga stuff happening. So you got really attached to those characters by the end because you could spend time with them. You could engage with them. That's the problem with the Netflix Marvel stuff right now. I don't feel engaged or that I really have any real ties to these characters anymore because I don't, they're not part of a bigger story to me. Mm -hmm. You know, they're part of a minor little tiny part that that's fine in its isolated universe. But the fact that there's no knocking effects outside of that, I, I struggle with that. And so the time I want to put into it is minimized because I want to focus somewhere else. Yes. Right. So I think overall that they can be successful and I'm really excited for what's going on. I don't think the sky's falling. I think the standalone <laughs> films will go ahead, but it's a good time for Lucasfilm. It's a real pivot point, like you referred to, Troy, for them to step back and think about how this universe needs to roll out in this new era, once they get past the new the sequel trilogy, Ray yeah. and Finn's and Kylo's story here, mm-hmm. and how they really run with this, because that's going to be the difference maker. You know, we can't have 400 Black series coming out every year, yeah, because we can't afford it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's all about that. Like we can't have the shelves looking like they do, because no one wanted to buy the Last Jedi stuff. Therefore, we didn't get any solo stuff. Yeah, and so we have this weird drought. We need the consistency 
in every avenue of Star Wars. Yeah. And to do that needs consistency in storytelling. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. You have to bring in the right talent. The Kathleen Kennedy needs to take this bull by the horns and lead it like Feige does. Yeah. Like I don't like always referencing Marvel, but there is a fantastic blueprint yes. on how to keep an audience engaged while throwing three movies a year at them, plus tie-in series, plus this, plus that. Yeah. We don't do a lot of the Netflix stuff right now. Yeah. But geez, we've gone to like three movies in the last six months. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and haven't stopped talking about them. Yeah. 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 And, and, and going with Faggy, you know, because um, I, I am one of the people that actually really liked Solo. And I think what Solo did such a good job of doing, which is keeping it like Marvel, is giving the fan core audience like what they wanted. Like they gave mm-hmm. us like the Darth Maul stuff. They gave us the, the holocrons. They gave us all those little Easter egg goodies, which is something that Marvel has taught us so well. Like, Everybody out there that reads comics, we've got we got you covered. But if you're new to this world, you're gonna sit back and have a good ride. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's what Solo did. And I feel like I don't want to keep bragging or bashing that Last Jedi, but Last Jedi didn't do that kind of stuff. Um, even Rogue One kind of didn't do those things. I feel like there's a lot to be learned from Han Solo, and I feel like we could do some of those thing, same things in the future films by doing some of that Marvel stuff. That Marvel flavor works for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just not the release dates of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think to kind of wrap this this discussion up here. I think individually we have different things we want from the universe and Sanjay, you're going to have something slightly different myself. You, we've explained these, but I think the common thread through there comes down to consistency, good Mm -hmm. stories, good talent behind them and have this overarching narrative. It doesn't have to be isolated. No, you know, they can tell their own stories, but there has to be something that allows you to tie this all together. You know, there's a reason it's all connected in the MCU works that well. It, it all comes back to that idea of consistency of the canon of giving us good holistic stories that also tie to a bigger narrative. So I've, I've repeated myself like 10 times here, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think that's just hitting the point home that everyone out there, this guy's not falling. <laughs> Stars is fine. Just give him some time to rethink things. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be black and white. It doesn't have to be so binary that either Star Wars is doing great or it's falling off the edge right. of a cliff and Kathy Kennedy's ruining everything. No. She's awesome. Like, like look what she's done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not only does she have the credit of producing the majority of the films that we love throughout our entire lifetime, but I think she's done a fantastic job in this Disney era. And they just need to take a little breath. Yeah. You know, this is, we've gotten four Star Wars films in four years. We're going to have five in five years. You know, we didn't get that many <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really over, well, close to that over 40 years. Yeah. So let, let's, let's like give them the space that they need. Guys. And, and understand Kathleen Kennedy also answers to somebody too. Yes. So yeah. Bob can't be the one taking all the blame because <laughs> there's true. somebody else that makes other decisions too yeah. above her. So, so apparently he was the one that, that pushed for the May release. <laughs> right. Bob Iger and that. So anyways, guys, like I, I think that more or less wraps that up. You know, this is going to be a common thread through, I think, a lot of podcasts over the next couple of weeks, not just ours, but everyone in the Commonwealth discussing what Star Wars looks like into the future. And I look forward to hearing other takes, you know, talk Star Wars, the guys tumbling saber, Gen X, everyone to see what they have to say about all this, because it's a it's a real shift. I think in Star Wars, we're going to see a real pivot point. And let's see what comes. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about everything. I'm like, yeah, there's a few things I'm cautious on. But overall, I can't wait to see some of this stuff. It's going to yeah. be incredible. It's going to be awesome. All right, gentlemen. Well, another another episode in the bag. 125. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure podcasting with you guys for 125 episodes. Can't wait for 125 more. And really for, for this week, that, that, that about wraps it up. So if you'd like to be part of the show, 
you can always email us at thenerdram at gmail.com. You can hit us up on YouTube or Facebook. And as always, you can grab us on Twitter. We're always hanging out there. Our handles are at the end of the episode. And make sure to go check out Sanjay's weekly videos on YouTube. The new Peak the Nerd Room video that will be up as this podcast drops. So checking out my nerd room where we record every single week. And I think nice. that's all the pumping that we need to do because it's time to get out of here because Sanjay is starting to doze off. Well, I was going to say, before, we got to make sure we peak Troy's nerd room as well. If you haven't seen that video, yes. make sure you check it out. We're, you know, the great camera work of me. That camera, man. Yeah. Michael Bay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a few shadows. Yeah. Yeah. Cinematography. Oh, it was beautiful. It was like a Zack Snyder film. Yeah. Yes, I had was. like the color filters and everything. Yeah. It was very dark. Sanjay cut. Yeah. yeah it's very dark. And the lights were off. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. All right, gentlemen. Until next week for the nerd room, I'm I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim's Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.